Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today. My name is Leanne DeSanto and I'll be your host. And we are honored to have you with us. This podcast is here to serve you and stand alongside your journey to becoming your best self. We bring you industry experts, authors, and thought leaders throughout the world to not only inspire you, but to give you tangible strategies that you can implement right now. Now, today's expert is a true gem. Her name is Elizabeth Adams. She is a practical theologian and a professional caregiver. She is the author of the book, Living with Mama, a good person's guide to caring for aging parents, grown children, and ourselves. And she offers a a practical guide for spiritually transforming relationships uh, with people that are in really demanding stages in their life. And as uh, some of you may have been experiencing, caring for aging parents is really challenging and really daunting. And so we really dive into that conversation of how to do it in a more peaceful, loving way. So rise up for you. Enjoy this episode as I bring you Elizabeth Adams. We are so honored to have you on the podcast today. So we always like to start by um, sharing with our audience who you are and what you do. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really, really looking forward to this episode. Um, Let's see, what do I do? First off, I don't talk about myself very well. I'm one of those people that gets everybody else to talk. (laughs) So, you know, they tell me everything they would never tell their mother, and then I'm supposed to not tell anybody about it. So, using my my talent for what I do, um, I am a practical theologian. Uh, Friends call me the irreverent reverend, because I believe that... um, Theology isn't something that just needs to be written up in books and set on the shelf. It actually can be used. Mm. And um, I've been able to be very, very, very blessed with a lot of friends that helped me with that that path of how to make this practical. So I got a big community of people that we practice this with, and we just have fun living life. Oh, I'm a grandmother of three of the most amazing children ever born on the face of the earth. Mm. But, you know, no, I just want that one in <laughs> great, great. Well, I know that you have a book, right? I do. Living with I do. Mama. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Living with Mama is a good person's guide to caring for aging parents, adult children, and ourselves. Uh, the key to that is ourselves. I think quite often, especially people that are, whether you're a professional caregiver or whether you are uh, someone that just steps into that role naturally, we totally forget to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And thus, we suffer. And we don't need to suffer. We need to enjoy this journey. And how do we enjoy this journey? Back to practical theology. We go back to that. So I've interviewed hundreds of hours of people that are doing this, living with aging parents and or adult children in their home and how are they doing it well and how are they enjoying it and in getting rid of these stereotypes of your adult children living with you in the basement means that they aren't successful that's not true and and getting rid of the stereotypes of children who graduate from college without a job not really seeking them well again that's not true so let's let's bust some of these myths out and then see how to how to do this well Mm. well let's talk about some of the myths what do you think, especially with aging parents? I, I think that's, um, I'm hearing a lot about that from, from friends and the, the struggles of, of watching a parent either um, die, you know, either go through yeah. that dying process um, yeah. or just 
how worn out they are in, in just decision making. There's so much stress around the decision. Do they go into a home? Do they stay with us? Do they, you know, tell us a little bit about, about maybe the myths and, and, and how we can navigate that. Well, I really like that. And that's a good way to start. Um, I think the first myth is that, that you're the only person doing it or that you're alone doing this. Mm. Uh, statistically speaking, there's over 63 million Americans living with extended family members right now that are either adult or aging for medical or financial reasons. Mm. It's very, very common and not many people are talking about it in a positive light. Now, the other myth is that it's your job to figure out um, how your parents age because it's not your job. It's your parents' job and how to allow them to do that or how to enable them to do that. Um, I think we were talking earlier about how much we've all changed because we've all, my generation and I, and, I, and your generation, have moved away from our hometowns. Mm -hmm. You know, we got educated, we got out of there. And um, what does that look like? Can you still participate and still be a part of this journey? It doesn't mean that you will never be a part of it. It just means let's be prepared for it so that you can enjoy it. Your parents aren't just going to age one day. They're, they're going to go through this long process, which is very full of grief. You lose your sight. You lose your hearing. You lose your identity when you lose your job. You lose your identity when your children move out. So how do you be a part of that aging so that you'll know how to age in a positive light as well? So, you know, we're going to knock some of the, each chapter kind of knocks these big myths out mm. because we just don't think about, oh, I can't wait until I grow up in my parents' new home. It, you know, I didn't think that way, right? <laughs> You're right, right, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it's yeah. So, much so about I was living time. in that. Yeah. yeah, I was living in that parallel. My children were moving out and boomeranging back because of, you know, they graduated college. Some didn't go to college and they had to learn how to navigate being an adult in the financial situations in today's world. Right. It kind of comes full circle, right? As we age and then we're on the other side. I want to unpack that a little bit in terms of timing. Like when, mm -hmm. you know, I have, I have some friends that are struggling with, um, their parents are struggling with dementia. And mm -hmm. now the communication is it's tough, right? It's, a t it's tough to communicate. And I think it's something that it's a fearful conversation for some that they don't want to say, okay, mom and dad, let's sit down and talk about, you know, what happens if you get sick or, or you know, get these particular things that we have to deal with. Do you, when do you think is a good time to do that? Um, my daughter told me this last weekend. She's 35. She has three children. We went on vacation together with her three children in a very, in a van that got smaller and smaller each day of the week. <laughs> and we were having a great time, but she literally turned to me one time and said, mom, I'm not going to sure when you have dementia because I think you've got it right now. And she meant it funny. And I've laughed about it, but I've been thinking about it. You know, I, I'm a little quirky, and, and how is she going to talk to me about dementia? Why doesn't she know how? And I wrote a book on it. Why doesn't she know how? So I think there are ways today to talk to your parents about that. Right. There are, there are different, you know, uh, exercises you could do. And I, I know I'm harping back to the book because it's what I know. Um, there are many websites, and I've got websites listed, um, that teach us how to talk to our parents right now mm -hmm. and how to be, um, and I'm calling it a, a journey that we walk on together, even though it's my, it was my mother's journey. She was, she had 15 years of cancer. And if anybody was going to beat it, it was her. So none of us believed she wasn't going to live forever. Even with cancer, I thought my mother's still going to live forever. It's just the way we get about our parents. We want our parents to be around, right? Right. 
And we have to learn how to talk out what's real without all the emotions and out all the losses. And it it really is a great way to to walk that path with them. I want to be here with you. I want to be here for you. What can I do to help? Mm. Not how can I take over? What can I do to help? Right, right. And I know a lot of it depends on really the dynamic you, you have, the relationship you have, you know, whether it's strained from the past or a great relationship. Um, I think, I think it's, it's, it's very individual, which we know, and I'm sure those conversations mm-hmm. look a little bit different depending on that relationship you have. And um, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate when people are totally estranged and aren't part of that process. Um, but how do you think that we can bring it back to um, if there's some estrangement or if there's um, some hurt feelings from the past, you know, bringing it back to, to why the family, you know, because again, I think I see the family units a little fractured, you know, at mm-hmm. times and, and bringing it back to that family unit. And I guess it's a choice. People want to choose to do that or not, but what would you uh, tell our audience about maybe some, some ideas around that? I love that you brought that to, it's a family thing. It really is, but it's, it's the family thing that we have to learn. You know, I don't know if you're the way um, I have been in the past, but sometimes you go back and you visit your family and you fall back into the role of being firstborn daughter with a, a younger brother. And, you know, the man is in his fifties and he owns a company, but I want to treat him like he's eight. Right. right that totally. <laughs> that doesn't work real well for our relationship. Right? right. Right. So it's learning today to be who you are today in that family. And there are wonderful exercises to do that. And it doesn't mean you have to sit down with this big, it reminds me of when you sit down with your children to have the sex talk. Right. Like, you're, <laughs> right? Are you going to tell them everything in one sitting when they're eight? No. It, it's progressive depending on where they are. And it's the same thing with aging. It's the same thing with any illness. Because my mother died very, very young. So we were forced into some of these conversations. Because you never expect your parent to all of a sudden become chronically ill. You unless they've been that way your whole life, but you don't expect cancer. If you did, you prepare for it. Right, right. You can't. It's just life. Um, you know that what, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, I just realized this is not recording. Darn. <laughs> this is not recording. Oh, let's, let's start. Do you mind starting again? We're not that deep into it, so. Um, uh, no, uh, but I probably won't answer the same. That's cover. okay. You know what? It's going to be, it's going to be better. It's going to be what it is. I just was like, oh my God, I hit record, but it said now there's like a little pop-up record on this computer and I didn't hit that. And what you're saying I like is so, you. I know, what you're saying is so cool and important. And I'm like, no, I want to capture this. So I got a recording on GarageBand for the audio, but I want to get this because this is really, really powerful. So we're going to. Oh, gonna... I like you. Thank you. <laughs> it's all this technology. Okay, we're going to start again. Okay, take a deep breath. Okay. Okay. I know, right? Mm-hmm. And hopefully I'll remember those questions too because I think we had a good start there. Okay. I'm just following your lead, darling. You're okay, baby. All right. This is what, this is what happens on uh, computer land. Okay, I'm going to hit this. Let's take a sip. Good thing I noticed before we got through the whole thing. <laughs> I'm so into so it, I'm Boston. like, the red button's not on. Shoot. Okay. <laughs> Boston to California. You had a culture shock, didn't you? I did, yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> okay. Ready? Nice and happy. Hi, and welcome, Elizabeth. We're so excited to have you on our podcast today. Now, we always like to start by um, letting our audience know who our guests are and who you are, what what you do, and what led you on this journey. Well, good morning. Good afternoon, I guess, since you're all the way in California. (laughs) But um, I really uh, have a hard time talking about myself. I'm one of those people that gets everybody else to talk, 
and everybody likes to tell me secrets. So I, I have a hard time talking about myself. So if I'm lagging along, please, you know, drag me. That's drag okay. me. I'll drag it out of you. <laughs> drag it out of me. Um, but I describe myself as a practical theologian. I have degrees in just about everything, cultural anthropology, sociology, religion. I believe in studying human nature and what we do and how we enact and or interact within societies. Mm. I'm fascinated by that. What makes us work and what, what is it that holds us back? That to me is just fascinating from relationships. I'm also a wife, a mother of three amazing women and three of the most beautiful grandchildren ever born on the face of the earth. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. Well, wow, that is some big subjects here. <laughs> um, that is amazing. I love all that too, you know, and it's so, it's it's just so interesting when you really study culture and people and how we interact and communicate. And now more than ever, you know, we need some kind of practical tools on how to do that in a world that seems to get more divided every day, you know, so that's, that's wonderful what you do. And I, I know you have a book out, Living with Mama. So uh, tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Well, thank you for bringing that up. Um, my book, Living with Mama, it's a good person's guide to caring for aging parents, adult children, and ourselves. Mm. And the purpose of this book is, is that we, me personally, I wasn't doing a good job of taking care of myself while I was taking care of my mother who was um, going through her last stages of cancer and my adult children who had graduated college and had moved back home. I had forgotten I was supposed to take care of myself because I was so busy taking care of everybody else. Mm. And that's where this book came from, meeting people that needed to learn how and forming communities so that we'd support each other on it. Oh, gosh, that's so important. You know, I have, um, um, my parents are, are in good health and, and still, you know, doing, doing well on their own. And, uh, but I have some friends that have gone through that and that, that, that process. And um, it's, it, I see a lot of struggle with that, you know, mm-hmm. from the conversations they need to have to, um, to just coming back maybe if they've been away you know just just a lot around that so um um share with us a little bit about uh, maybe some ideas on how to handle all of that it's a big subject i know but how to handle that right i think um as you said it's a big subject so i've just talked about three generations in one sentence Mm. Uh, my parents myself and my adult children Mm -hmm. so there is no one way or one right way what I've done is I've gathered a lot of information of what's working for others that you can then say, oh, maybe I'll try that. Okay, that didn't work. Let's try this. Okay, that didn't work. Let's try that. Okay, that worked, but it won't work tomorrow, so what else do I need to do? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the way I live is, is the way that I wrote that. So let me, I think what would help most people um, the most right now is to know that they're not alone in this. There's over 63 million Americans living with aging parents or adult children right now in the United States. It's very common. It just isn't discussed much except for in a negative light. Mm -hmm. I see it as a positive thing. And there's, because I know a lot of people that are doing this and and really enjoying this journey. Nice, nice. I love that. I want to touch upon a couple of things you said. Um, So it's still common because I have a sense from what I've seen that, you know, back generations ago, it was very common. I mean, it was pretty much you lived with your parents and or parents came back to live with with you in that process. Um, and, and because we are a bit more spread out in fractured, you know, mm-hmm. families, I'm from the East coast, Boston area. And now I'm in California. I'm not near my parents. I don't get to see them as much. And I know other families, you know, just have moved and 
and um, so it's not growing up in the same town, going to school, getting married mm-hmm. in the same town, you know, that type of situation as much as it used to be. So, but it is still pretty common. So people are still coming together in that relationship. Well, it's more common today than it was in the late 1800s. Oh. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, the financial situations in the United States. A lot of people can't afford the student loans they've incurred. A lot of people have lost their homes. A lot of people um, were one paycheck away from um, bankruptcy. And I mean, we know all those stories. What we don't know is where do people go and what are they doing? And it's very, very common. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I don't know that anybody that I, I've met that can't say, oh yeah, I know someone who is in this situation. Right. right. Um, yeah, I love that. Because like you said, it, it's, it's the, the college, you know, the young adult coming back home after college, but then it's also the aging parent coming back home with, you know, with their son or daughter as well. So it's, it's, it's generational, like you said, which is, which is great. And it is a great opportunity to, 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 like you said, look at it like a positive, to stay connected, to, to be okay with, with that in, in the process of someone's evolution or whatever side of the spectrum that they're on. Um, you also said something interesting I want to talk about in terms of the caregivers, um, because I do know some caregivers that um, are pretty wiped out. And oftentimes the caregivers are getting sick along with the people that they're, they're serving. So what can a caregiver do to just kind of protect their energy um, and, and their health and stress levels in this process too? Exactly. Um, I think that there's something we can do every day. I think I've listed a lot of exercises, a lot of reflection you can do. I believe in, um, writing out your feelings until you can narrow down what's going on into one single sentence so you can fix something in your life. There are a lot of exercises or rituals we can do daily. I think the thing is, is we've got to remember, and we've all heard it, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. So I had to find my motivation to do that. And my motivation to do that was um, I was uh, driving home. My mother was in Kentucky and I was living in Georgia. She, as I mentioned, had cancer. And because I was so far away, I wasn't on her main support team, and that bothered me. So I tried to think, what can I do? And I would drive home every month, clean her house, cook things, put it in her refrigerator. Because this woman owned businesses. She was still working and had cancer. So I would go home and kind of be her little wife, right, mm-hmm. her wifey. Yeah. And then yeah. I could go back again. But I was in grad school. I was holding a job. I had three children, one going in and out to college. I mean, I had a life. Nobody planned this to happen you can't plan for when does somebody get cancer having said that I almost had a car accident because I was that tired Mm -hmm. I was so tired I thought I was focusing and I wasn't and you know thank you I'm okay and nobody else was hurt but I realized it came to the point where I could hurt others by not taking care Mm -hmm. of myself now not I'm just trying to help people so that doesn't seem fair well None of it is fair. Now, how do you deal with it? You know, you, you can get sad about it or you can think of solutions. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that um, distinction, right? That you, mm-hmm. in your not maybe taking care of yourself, you may be putting others at risk too. And that's, exactly. so too, that's like the oxygen mask on the airplane analogy, right? You got to do yours first before anyone else's. Although I don't know if it's a mom, but if I do that, but I know that that's a, a great analogy. And, and um, I know sometimes as, as women, especially the self-care 
type of conversation can sound selfish. You know, I don't right. have time to take care of me, and then and then people just want to give, 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 but um, there's a, a receiving that needs to happen too, right? It's a flow. It's a it's a reciprocal relationship, mm-hmm. and if you haven't taught each other how to give to each other, well, then you're you're missing out. You're missing out on the joy that other people could be giving by serving you. Absolutely. So many of us, I don't know, but so many of us that are caregivers that I know have a really hard time asking for help. It's our biggest flaw. Why do we have a hard time? Because we know how tired we are. We don't want anybody else to feel this way. Right. Right? Right. Well, that's really kind of selfish Mm -hmm. because now you're not allowing anybody to feel what's wonderful about serving you, about having time alone with you, or uh, just feeling how good it feels to take care of someone because Mm -hmm. you've you've taken up all the space. You've taken care of everybody. Right. Right. I love that. And then... Part of the story, I, I, I remember a situation that happened uh, to me. I was out with um, my best friend, and uh, we have a neighbor that was in her 80s, and we just loved her. And she um, she you know, would invite her out to lunch and do things with her and have her come to our Christmas girls dinner thing, you know, just all that. Like she's just part of our group. She was an amazing, amazing woman. And she since passed a couple years ago. But um, I remember you know, would always pay for her, would always take care of her, you know, come to dinner, you know, and she'd say, I want to pay, I want to pay. And then one day she was being a little more like defiant with my girlfriend. She's like, I got it, I got it, I got it. She's like, I want to pay. And I looked at my girlfriend and said, let her pay. Let yeah. her, she wants to do this for us, right? She wants to do this. But we think we're just like, we know, you know, she doesn't have as much money, whatever, but no, we just can't do that. We can't get our own ideas and in the mix, right? It's like, let someone give to us because that gives them so much joy. Right. Yeah. It really does. We forget about that. We really, well, I forget about that. Yep. Yep. I do too sometimes. And I think, again, you think you're doing um, something good for somebody and you're loving them and this, but, but really I think it's important to listen to, to that. And I, that time I was like, no, 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 let her pay. She really, I can sense that she wants to do that. So it's, um, it's interesting, I guess, to just have that awareness to be able to see that because it's easy to get in our own mindset around it. And then it becomes more the, the rescuer, right? Let's talk a little bit about that. Cause I think there's some of that goes on again, I, especially with women, men as well. But I think that rescuer mentality, I have to be the one to do it. Well, I agree. I think there's many uh, symptoms of that pattern too. Mm-hmm. Um, as I spoke to you before, I've got clients and stuff who speak to me about this a lot. And what I find is, is the main concern people have is, is that if they ask, somebody won't do it. Because in their past, they've asked for something. Whether they've done it right or not, doesn't matter. They've asked for something, and it wasn't given. And so they feel like it will always happen. Mm, and it right. kind of cripples us. Absolutely. It really kind of cripples us. Because we assume now, because of those one, two, or three issues, whether they were in our childhood or in our adulthood, that we we just shouldn't ask. Yeah, that's really powerful because I think it. I mean, I know it. Like we're a pro, kind of a products of our experience. So if we, you know, have had that certain experience a few times, then we're going to always identify that as the that's just going to happen again without giving that person a chance. So right. So a lot of people ask me, what's the one thing that they could do now? Yeah. And I say you need to learn to say two words. I need, Mm. it'll change your life. Now you need to learn how to say I need because you need to 
identify what the need is. You can't say I need when it's really just something you want, or if you're saying it in spite, or if you're, you know, that there is a process to, to wielding down what I need. For example, when I was telling you about almost having a car wreck, I knew I needed sleep. I pulled the car over. I sat underneath a tree in a McDonald's parking lot and rolled down the windows and fell asleep for two hours. That's tired. That's tired. Because I'm a light sleeper. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now how do I get it to the point where, all right, I took a nap. That is what I needed in that moment. Now, what do I need in the bigger picture? Well, I need my mother to feel like she's loved. That's why I go back and forth. I need my mother to feel like she has somebody to take care of her basic needs of her body because of the mother in me says mother her, right? Yeah, yeah. So how do I do that? And I was able to, to narrow that down to, okay, what do I need? I need my mother to feel loved. I need her house to be clean because that takes care of me as much as her. How do I do that? I need to figure out a way to do that without driving home every month. And doing that myself, how do I get it done? So it's learning how to narrow down what is your need and then making it happen. Mm, that is so delicious. <laughs> I love that because I think that is. It, it's, and again, sometimes in the past, if you have said I need or I would like or something to say a, anybody, a spouse, a parent, and, it, and it, it wasn't satisfied, it can shut you down from asking. It, it can. can Isn't that tragic? It's like having your hand cut off and never using it again because you stumped your, you slammed it in a door or something. That's just silly. I know, I know. And maybe it's it's a, a different way of asking, right? A different way of, of presenting exactly. it, a different communication style. So um, exactly. let's talk a little bit about that in terms of communication styles because I think that that's, um, you know, we all just kind of project our stuff and our experience and, and read into things and we generalize I think a lot right a lot as humans generalize a lot like everything's this never this always this well, it's, that's not typically the way it is right but in our brains we, we think that so in terms of communication styles um, is it do you feel it's like asking more questions being uh, better listeners I'm assuming for sure but uh, mm-hmm. what, what would you um, offer up to our audience about some ways to communicate um, I would think that I'm going to say the biggest need only because, you know, there's a bajillion ways, right? Um, the biggest way to communicate, I think, is to pull your emotions away from it and see back to what is it you need? Mm-hmm. What is it they need? Without the emotions, um, clouding what the real issue is here. Mm. Because our emotions, mine... I'm, I'm a highly emotional woman. I'm very dramatic. You can see me. I'm waving my hands everywhere. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I can't talk with that sitting on my, with that, that sit on my hands. Um, how do I look at a situation that is so fraught with emotion and break it down into what is important at this moment? Now, I was a hospital chaplain in a children's hospital. That was one of, that was one of my main professions. Mm. And so a child has an accident. And a family comes in, nobody's prepared to have your child in this state of distress, whether it's just a broken arm or whether now we've got to put this child on life support. You are never prepared for that. But if the parents that I were working with um, were so busy with their emotions, they couldn't logically figure out, okay, what is the next step for their child? And that's their job. Their job is to figure out what's the next step for this child. Where, what do I need to know to help this child live a fulfilled life without a leg 
there, this is a constant process here that yes, you can get sad and yes, you can deal with all that, but you've got to, you've got to deal with what is this issue right now, instead of allowing all the emotions to get in the way of what's the next step to take. Mm, yeah. I, I, I did a podcast with, with a friend of mine uh, yesterday, actually, and, and we were talking about, you know, her favorite quote and it was, um, so what now what? Oh, I love that one. Yeah. And it can, it can, it can sound a little harsh, right? Okay. What does that mean? But if it's like, okay, so what now what? Like now what's the possibility, right? What exactly. is the, the new narrative, the story that we need to let go of that's just holding us back and, and, uh, or, you know, trauma, tragedy, it's, it's, we've experienced it as human beings, right? So how do we uh, like move past that? You know, and that's right. the, the question I think, and, you know, for a lot of people, and, and instead of just living in that same, you know, being upset about what happened 20 years ago, that's just, that's not creating a joyful life for you now. Well, it shackles you. Yeah. It, it weighs you down. You can't see the possibilities because you're so busy dragging. Mm. I think that's a great analogy. You're dragging these chains and these baggages and these burdens. So the biggest chain I removed years ago was I try as often never to use the word but. Yeah. But is everything. It's everything. I love you. I love you, but. Yeah. You did a great job, but. What that means is you're now not really agreeing. You're not really complimenting. You're really giving them a critique. Mm. Right, so remove but. Remove but. From I the love butt. my husband, but no, no, no. I love my husband and. Mm. I love my teen daughters and, not but they're going through hormone surges <laughs> and I want to throw them out of a moving car. That's true. <laughs> That's yeah, true. true. Okay, I love my teen daughters and I need to help them not use that tone with me because it makes me mad. Mm. Wow, that's a whole different energy. Isn't it? And yeah. oh, I couldn't get them to stop. So, and how do I not get mad when they don't stop? So the possibilities now open up. Mm. What's next? And that, and that too rings the whole personal responsibility, right? I'm responsible exactly. for my emotions. You don't make me feel this way. I mean, you know, we, we all kind of say that sometimes, but you know, it's, I, all I can control is myself and my own reactions. I can't control anything else that comes to me. Right. So it's, it's that personal responsibility of, of saying, yeah, how can I help? The, the, I love that because it's so common. I, I catch myself a lot saying, but, oh, I got to stop saying that. <laughs> it's hard. It is yeah. so hard. It, it really didn't even catch on for a good year. I was always stopping myself until I finally realized, oh, I'm not stopping myself as much. Mm. Oh, yay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> yay. I love that, yeah. Because it is. It's like, now how can I help? How can I serve? How can I, um, especially with our kids, right? And then with our mm -hmm. aging parents too, right? Because then they kind of revert back to some of that. And it can be frustrating when you had a parent that was on it or, like you said, a business owner. And all of a sudden, you start seeing that, that change. And uh -huh. it's, it's, it's dealing, like you said, with our own emotions and trying not to be so emotionally charged in our conversations, but to come from just that heart space of this is how I feel and I'm perceiving this and how can I serve you? Right. And how can I serve myself? Because mm. if you're saying, but you're having a hard time serving yourself. Yeah. I'll take care of this, but I've got to take care of my mother first. I'll take care of this, but no, serving yourself first 
mm-hmm. makes so much more sense then because, okay, I need 15 minutes to myself in the morning. I know I do. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to answer your questions. I don't want to hear my need list. It's going to be building as soon as you walk in the room. I'm not using any names, but all names could go into there, mm-hmm. into that as a mother and a grandmother and a, a wife and a sister and a business owner. So all those need things, right? right, right. I need my 15 minutes. And then I could be set to go listen to those needs. Mm. Yeah, it's back to the oxygen mask on yourself first, right? It's like just, you you know, and whatever that ritual might be. I'm a big believer in morning rituals and, and um, it, what you, it could be a cup of tea. It could be uh, reading 15 minutes of your favorite book. It could be taking a bath. It could be, but it's not selfish to do that. It's, self-love right it's and and it's it's so needed so you can not maybe not get in that overwhelm as fast or get in that you know stressful running around state as fast if you just take a few minutes it doesn't have to be you know I I have friends that do the whole hour morning ritual and some that might just do five minutes so it's finding what that is for you right and there's no judgment some days I need more than 15 minutes yeah some days I need less but if I'm realizing, and there's my butt word, if I am realizing that I am getting quickly angry or quickly tired, I know it's time to, okay, it's time to plan an adventure day. It's a plan, time to plan a day away or a morning away. And I'm, I'm more of an introvert. Away mm-hmm. and quiet is where I refresh. Some people like to jump right into the middle of a, you know, a thousand people at the mall. Great. If that's what it is, go do it recognizing and I think everything starts with awareness right your own awareness of your own um, self <laughs> you know when do you get triggered more when are you more frustrated when you know I know for me yeah tired hungry yeah it just can fall apart <laughs> you know so <laughs> it's like okay low blood sugar getting the food crabbies you know <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah you know, right so it's like knowing yourself and sometimes it's hard to admit it because you're like no I'm you know Always energized. Like, no, not. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. Well, that's Nobody great. is. Right, right. And being okay with that. So that's great. Right. Well, gosh, right. I could talk to you forever. This is really great stuff. And um, please go get Living with Mama. That sounds fabulous. And um, um, I know our audience will, will be really excited to grab your book and read that and go a little bit more deep with you. Um, but right now, I'd like to ask you a couple key questions that we like to kind of close off the interview with. The mm-hmm. first one is, um, what book had a massive impact on you that you'd like to share with us? Uh, several have. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the one that I want to mention, though, can be politically charged, so forgive me. This isn't a political thing. This is just a, I'm amazed by this book. Mm-hmm. It's so well written. But I've just finished the book, Becoming about Michelle Obama, or by Michelle Obama. And it's so fun as an anthropologist to step back and look at the way that she sees these very big, broad issues that I've watched from the eight outside for eight years. Mm-hmm. And she discusses them on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's very important in what I do as practical theology. How does she not get mad at people or... Um, the the constant need of other people taking her husband out of her life for supposedly bigger issues but what if it's my birthday yeah my husband better not be traveling that's the way I look at it right so there was so much that she's talked about it was so personal and so real and she admitted when she made mistakes and she admitted when she was learning and I respect that I really respect that 
Nice. That's great. I have not read it, but I'll have to do that because I love those stories. It's mm -hmm. that little glimpse on the inside, right? It's, it's different mm -hmm. than what we see out there. So right. that's great. It's another truth. And I love seeing all the truths that are out there. Right. Right. I love that. Um, okay. One quote that you live by. Um, my husband and I started this mantra about, <clears throat> about eight years ago. We saw this great Ted talk. I don't know if you're a Ted talk person, no, totally, yeah. but this woman said, so what does wrong feel like before you know you were wrong? So what does wrong feel like before you knew you were wrong? Hmm. Well, you feel like you're right. You feel like you're right. It doesn't mean you were, right? So I've started looking at that again. Just because I know that I'm right, then I've got a problem. Because if I know that I'm right, I'm not learning something else. Hmm. So it opens me up to learn. It opens me up to see more than one truth, like I just mentioned to you. Yeah. Because there's so many stories being looked at in one story. Right, right. right. And so we started living like that about eight years ago. And I have to say, it radically changed everything about us as a couple, too. Mm. Really, you know, we've been together 36 years. I adore this man. We were high school sweethearts. Oh, but yeah. after that many years, there's sometimes you, again, want to push him out of a moving car. I sound very violent, don't I? <laughs> I love it. Truthful, <laughs> right? truthful. <laughs> right, right. Um, this changed a lot of that. Because mm. that's the sneaky ego, right? Wants to be right and justified and rationalize and, and do all those things. And, you know, we, we need that too sometimes. But really, it's, yeah, how can I, how can I um, be open? You know, be open to that and not be exactly. so, so judgmental that my way is the only way, you know, so that's or the right way or the right way. Right. Because right's just a judgment. What's right for you and right for me is different, you know, so it's just and what's right for me and what's right for my mother are different. Right. Absolutely. And what's right for me and what's right for my daughters are different. Yeah. Um, OK, if you could leave the world with one final message, one golden nugget, what would it be? Well, that's not a really hard question, is it? Yeah. <laughs> one, one golden nugget. Okay, the golden nugget that I'm always, I do reflect on a lot is a Maya Angelou quote, and everybody knows her, and they, that we're all trying to do the best that we can with what we have, mm. and when we learn more, we do better. Yeah, no better we do better. I love that. Yeah, she's just yeah. She's so amazing, right? It's, it's so true. Right. At least that's the, the goal. <laughs> Sometimes we know better, we still fall back. <laughs> but for the most part, yeah, that's 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 great. That's what it's all about. Just the journey of, of learning and expressing and growing. So that's fantastic. Okay, how can we connect with you, support you, find you? Where are you? <laughs> oh, I love this. Well, I do have a website called Living with Mama. Living with Mama. Um, it's, it's in the World Peace Project. I've got a big project where I'm trying to cause peace within families and communities by writing these books mm -hmm. and staging workshops and classes and online stuff and visit people stuff. You know, whatever you want to do, it's there. Most of it is free. I think that information should be as free as possible. Having said that, if you go to the bookstores, you can get Living With Mom at all your major bookstores right now. If they're not there, please ask them to, to stock them on the shelves for me. I'd really appreciate it because I can't go to every bookstore and say, hey, where's my book? That's <laughs> where's my book? <laughs> not necessarily my personality anyway. Yeah. So um, you could also order it on Amazon. You can go online. Also in it, I've got a lot of connections to 
other ways to connect with me, whether it's emails or texts or Facebook groups, it's all there because I want to connect people together that are doing this. Mm -hmm. If you're in a city and you're looking for a group of people to talk to about this, perfect. Let's get you a group. Yeah, that I think is so important because you, like you said at the beginning, you know, you're not alone, but it can feel real lonely when you're in this exactly. space of confusion and what's next and what do I do, you know, so to be able to have that that tribe that you can share those experiences with is so important. So um, it really is. It really is. I, I didn't know how to ask uh, an older family member how to give the car keys. They shouldn't have that car going. Mm. It's almost like a weapon in their hands. Yes. So you can't say that to them. How do I get the keys from them? What did you all do to get the keys from your parents when you knew it was too late for them to be driving? And you know, let's be real. Who wants their keys taken? A lot of resistance there when that happens. <laughs> well, you lost everything else. Why am I going to give you my freedom of wheels? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. That's that's fantastic. I love that. So you can find that these groups are pretty much um, in different areas I'm, everywhere. I'm trying much. to start them strong in the different areas, and I give you lists of how to start your own. Oh, terrific! Terrific. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. One last question. As you uh -huh. know, we're called Rise Up for You. So when you hear that phrase, rise up for you, what does it mean to you? Uh, rise up for you is brilliant because I was raised in the old Southern tradition of there's a gospel song. You know that song, rise up, oh man of God, you know that song? Yes, yes. Give your heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of Kings. Mm. Um, so that was a great song. And it was one of those songs that I, I stood by and then I realized there's nowhere in there that's space for me. And back to, if I'm not taking care of me, I'm not taking care of anybody well. Right, right. And that's really not the point of it, is it? If I'm created in the image of God, then I need to be taken care of too, because right. even God rested on the seventh day. Right. Come on. Yep, even the God rested and on the seventh day, just do just it. Rest. <laughs> and you're honoring God by taking care of yourself. You know, I think I so. Mean, it's, so it's it's it works that way too, and I think that's that's awesome. Love it. Well, I could talk to you forever. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And I know our audience is uh, got so much out of this conversation because I know there's people struggling with with some of these different situations in their life. And I know that your book, Living with Mama, is going to be an awesome resource and tool for our audience. So thank you so much for sharing that with us and. Um, and helping us just stand alongside the journey to becoming your best self. So thank you so much. Thank you. You're doing a great service by showing this to everybody, not just my book, but what you're doing. This whole concept of taking care of yourself is amazing. Yeah, it I love it. Is. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast series. We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com, and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly, and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow.